We all want to be happier, but how do we get there? First, we start by realizing happiness is not a destination. Being happy consists of micro action steps every single day. I'm your host, Brittany King, and I'm here to guide you along the way. Hello, my beautiful friend, and welcome back to the Positively Real podcast. I'm your host and coach, Brittany King. And how are you doing today? I'm so glad you're here. We are coming to a wrap, end of the year, end of the month. November flew by, no surprise. And we are entering our final month of 2023. Now, I know I'm not the only one that has felt this way, but this year has flown by. It seems like the older we get, the quicker things go. Even with being intentional and mindful and practicing savoring moments, it's still flying by. And so this next month, I'm really going to pull back the reins and embrace the art of slow living. I want to enter 2024 in a slow way. I want to enter in a way that feels nourishing for my soul. And maybe that's because right now my nervous system feels completely drained. We just got back from a trip, family trip to Ohio, and it was lovely. It was so great. And this is what I you know, want to talk about on the episode of how like two emotions can exist at the same time. Um, but just kind of giving an update about what I've been up to, um, a trip can be amazing and special and wonderful, and it can also be exhausting and not rejuvenating. And that's kind of where I'm at in this moment in time. Like I can just tell my nervous system is drained. My window of tolerance is not as big as it usually is. I'm more irritable. I feel more tense. And all of that's just indicating that I need to bring more balance into my body. And I'm super aware of that now. I think in the past I would have just pushed through and put my head down and just got to work and ignored the signs of nervous system dysregulation. But because now I have the awareness and I understand my body better than I ever have, I know what I need to do. And it's a really beautiful thing. So I've been doing breath work. I've been doing balancing exercises to just get me out of that sympathetic energy. Cause I know that if I'm staying in this tense energy, it's eventually going to lead to a shutdown state, which is what I want to avoid. And I could tell if I continue to go the way that I'm going, I would have ended the year just kind of feeling like blah. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you're kind of at that point too, where you have been doing a lot. Maybe you've been traveling, maybe that's the most relaxing traveling. Um, and you kind of feel that and just use that information as a sign. It's just data. It's telling you to pay attention. That's all. And then once you pay attention, you can make the necessary adjustments. We'll say traveling with a toddler. It's not even the toddler. It's just like all the things surrounding the toddler, like the toddler's fine. Um, but I will say if you want to be up for a challenge, fly with the toddler past their bedtime when they have their first ever stomach ache, my sweet girl, maybe this is going to be TMI. 
my sweet girl went through six diapers on the airplane. She literally goes through six diapers in a day, if that. And I ran out of diapers and oh my gosh, you know, the mom guilt of not being good enough, just loves to infiltrate in moments like that. Of like, you weren't prepared. How could you let this happen? And at the end of the day, it's like, what are the chances of that happening? Like, how, how was that? How, how was I supposed to plan for that? We went through all the diapers I had, cause that's all we really needed. Right. So it's just fascinating to kind of watch how your brain responds or more, more less than respond, reacts to situations like that, that were higher stress, but we handled it in stride. You wouldn't have even known she wasn't feeling great because in between her diaper changes, she was just herself. And then once her stomach started feeling better, she was just so loving and cuddling and like thanking us for taking care of her. Um, But we'll say that was an adventure since we got home super late. Um, and I could just feel it. I'm like, Oh, I just feel like the weight of everything of how, how the week has gone. And then I woke up the next day and I realized it was the anniversary of my father passing last year. He'd um, died the day or two days after Thanksgiving a year ago. So it was like, Oh, this is what's going on in my body. So it really got me thinking about this topic that I want to talk about today, which is the coexistence of joy and grief. And I've been thinking about this a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot since October. And I've been kind of waiting to have this conversation with you and share it with you. Just kind of just gauge where I was at. Um, I do want to give a quick trigger warning. This episode, I do talk about pregnancy loss and I understand that that might be sensitive for some listeners. So please take care while listening. If that the thought of hearing me talk about pregnancy loss, miscarriage, makes you uncomfortable or you feel triggered or you're not ready to listen to this topic, come back another time and make sure that you seek out support um, to help you through whatever you're going through. And I'm just holding you. I I see you. So I want to dive into this coexistence of joy and grief because we often view emotions as being on the opposite ends of a spectrum, right? There's these high highs and low lows, but what happens when those emotions coexist? Can we feel joy admit grief? And the answer is yes. Even though it might challenge our conventional understanding of emotions, I am living that experience of the coexistence of joy and grief. I have been this last part of the year. When opposing feelings overlap, it creates a very unique internal emotional landscape. So the interwining of these emotions are really highlighted during significant life events, um, especially loss of a loved one. Um, where grief is a natural response, but you can still find moments of joy in that place of grief. And especially when I woke up yesterday, recognizing what day it was and feeling the grief of my dad passing and then the grief of a very complicated father-daughter relationship, I still found moments of joy throughout my day. I had to be 
very intentional about it, but I allowed myself to feel the joy, which I would say is a huge, huge sign of growth. So first, I think it's important to understand an emotional complexity because human emotions are multifaceted and they're not mutually exclusive. It is possible to experience joy in remembering good times that you've had with someone lost or finding joy in what's in front of you during those tough times. The coexistence doesn't diminish the depth of the grief, but I do believe that it adds a layer to the emotional experience. Memories play a huge role in bringing joy in when you're experiencing grief. So recalling happy moments really can bring upon a sense of warmth, even if you feel yourself mourning. And similarly, bringing in new experiences during a period of grief can also bring unexpected joy, creating a bittersweet emotional experience. Now, something that I have learned because I've been doing somatic experiencing trauma therapy, experiencing joy and grief simultaneously is actually a coping mechanism. It helps balance intense emotions. So grief can feel super heavy and bringing in an emotion of joy kind of gives you a break from that heaviness which offers mental and emotional relief. And I've had this experience uh, doing somatic experiencing because when you're sitting with an emotion and you're you're just like allowing it to be there and you're finding the edges, when the emotion's really intense, she has me kind of go to another part of my body where it doesn't feel as intense. And so it's this titration where you're kind of going to a less intense emotion back into the intense one. And it does give you a little bit of a break from the intensity. I also think that experiencing joy during grief is an important part of the healing process. And it is more of like a holistic experience of loss. So this is the acknowledgement of the full spectrum of emotions that are associated with a person that is mourning. This idea that you can't feel happy or you can't feel joyful when you're going through a hard time just creates more pain and it's unnecessary suffering. Pain is a part of life, but suffering is a choice. So being able to find joy during a moment, during a time of grief can create a more complete integrated healing process. The other thing that I think is important to recognize is finding moments of joy during a period of grief is a huge testament of personal resilience and growth. And it shows the capacity to be able to find hope and light in, in a dark time, which is a crucial aspect of emotional regulation and mental health. Because emotional regulation is truly about being resilient. It's not about having hard things happen to you. It's about your ability to bounce back from that, which ultimately expands your capacity and helps you grow. So, the coexistence of joy and grief is not only possible, but I believe it's a natural and healthy part of the emotional experience. You know, it 
demonstrates the complexity and resilience of human emotions, which allows you to have a different perspective on how we process significant life events. And the reason why this topic has been so top of mind for me has been my own experience of joy and grief. As I shared in the last episode, and I kind of briefly touched on it, um, if you haven't listened to the last episode, you can go back and listen to it. But I talked about how my experience, I had pregnancy loss. I had a miscarriage at 12 weeks in December of 2020. Um, then I got pregnant, I'd say eight months later, beautiful experience. And then I got pregnant again at the end of September of this year of 2023. And the similarities of the first pregnancy were kind of eerie. It was very similar, like to the T of the time I was pregnant and then when the due date was, and then also where my hormone levels were at. It was just a very interesting pattern. And I just knew something, like it wasn't the type of fear of like, oh, what if I have a miscarriage? I just felt something was off. I just knew it in my body. My bo- I know my body really well. And fast forward six weeks later, I had a miscarriage and I thought it was going to trigger a lot of the pain and that I went through the first time. And while it did trigger a lot of sadness and also grief, I didn't spiral. I didn't lose myself. And it, it's because of my ability to have these moments of joy especially looking directly into my daughter's eyes and this experience of joy and grief. It was really highlighted because the day that I miscarried, I was leading a event called the cosmic disco for my community and the juxtaposition of what was happening in my internal world and my external world was insane. Like it was just, there was so much joy, you know, this new experience that I was having, connecting with all these beautiful people that were there, holding space for this group of 20 women, getting to put on such a fun, lively, playful event. And, you know, people are there and they're like, what are you doing? And I was honest. I didn't tell them what I was going through because it wasn't about me. I was holding space for them. And I was like, I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. And I'm great. Like it was, it was both. <laughs> I was like, I'm going through something right now, but I'm just so happy to get to like be here and share the space with all of you and like guide you on this journey at the cosmic disco. And it kind of just goes back to that point of new experiences can bring in these moments of joy. And I was looking at the videos and photos and I was like, wow, like what was going on in my internal world? Like I was TMI, but I was bleeding a lot and we were on this white canvas and I was so afraid that I was going to like get blood on it because it was, it was heavy. It was intense, but there was nothing I could do. I wasn't not going to show up. And that's what I do. I, I, it wasn't even like I compartmentalized. I just knew I had this thing that I was going to handle emotionally. Like the miscarriage was going to happen no matter what, but I needed I knew that I could not put it aside, but I was almost like I, I was carrying it with me, but it wasn't controlling me because I knew that I was able to process the grief and deal and handle the emotions after the event. I didn't want it to take over me. I wanted to be able to show up and be present and hold space. And in order to do that, I had to hold space for myself. And it was just such a crazy juxtaposition experience. And I came home from that. I did a meditation and I just knew I was like, my body's just doing what it needs to do. And that was just incredible because the first time I miscarried, I was like, I thought my body failed me. I thought I did something wrong. I felt a lot of shame. I thought that 
it was because of X, Y, Z. Um, and it wasn't, I understood. It didn't mean that I didn't feel the pain. It was still really painful physically, mentally, emotionally. And of course I was so disappointed and sad because, you know, your brain starts going to the future and talking about my daughter being a big sister and all the things, but I was able to handle it. And it was really clean pain. Like it was clean pain. I was like, this is a part of being a human and I can handle this. And when I went and I talked to, I did the somatic experiencing. That's when she was like, you just have a really large capacity. Like, so I was asking her, like, should I be more of a mess? Like I was kind of judging myself for my response or my reaction. And she was like, no, you've just grown a lot since the first time. And that was just a testament to this work. I mean, being able to, to continue to show up, not have it knock me on my my butt, like the last time, be able to access all of these thoughts that really helped me find peace with it and move forward. And then also feel this layer of relief because I could just tell there was something off and there was a layer of relief because I understand after the first miscarriage, I really dove deep into understanding why and all the things. And I really, it made sense to me. And I was like, this is a relief. And I know that it will happen sooner than later. And I'm so content with my current life. I talked about this in the last episode about gratitude. Gratitude didn't negate the sadness that I was feeling, but it, it, it enhanced where I was at. I have everything I could ever want and need. I am so content and fulfilled by the life that I've created for myself that anything on top of that is just a bonus. Like literally, I feel that way deep in my bones. Anything else that we do, anything else that we achieve is great. I love that, but it's just, this is it. Like this is, these are the best days of my life. And I'm not going to spend my best days of my life chasing the idea of what I think it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to have two kids and da, 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 and like do all the things. I'm like, no, that might happen. And that'll be amazing. And I'll cross that bridge when it comes. But truly this is where I'm supposed to be. And I feel so content with that. And so at peace. And I know it's because I allow this, I allow the the opposite ends of the spectrum of emotions to coexist. I allow myself to feel the pain, to feel the sadness, to feel the grief and the joy, the happiness, the love, the fulfillment. And that wasn't the case. And now that I'm in this place, it's something that I want to share with everyone because it's truly coming down to the nervous system is being able to create that flexibility in my nervous system. So I can feel these emotions and bounce back from the hard times and recognize the signs when my nervous system is fatigued and giving myself the things that I need to bring it back into balance. And if I didn't have the skill set, I don't know where I would be right now. I honestly don't. And being able to do this is huge because being able to manage our responses to these extense emotions is the key. It is the key because you build flexibility, you build resilience. And now I truly believe that the goal in life is not to be happy. The goal in life is to be resilient. And so the ways that you can balance joy and grief is by doing your breath work. Literally that has been the key is like allowing space, using the breath to allow space for both emotions to coexist. I do a couple different types of techniques, but when the emotions are really intense, I just do some balanced breathing first to make space. And then when it's a really intense emotion, I do down regulating. So I focus on a longer exhale and those exercises 
are the key. And it's really simple and people will write them off because of the simplicity, but I'm telling you the breath is the key to create more space in your body, in your nervous system, to create more space for growth and being able to have things that I can do daily, multiple times a day has made the biggest difference because nervous system regulation, balancing in your body is not a one-time event. It's something that you have to do over and over and over again, multiple times a day, especially when you're in a heightened sensitive time. And all that that means is regulating your nervous system is bringing it back into balance, bringing it back into balance. And this is what I've been doing with my clients. It's teaching them the skill set, giving them the toolbox to do this because it's a lifelong skill. <laughs> like we need this skill to manage the hard thing because as we get older, life only gets more challenging. The other thing that's really important before I wrap up is the importance of having support systems, um, whether that is family members, friends, therapist, coach, and a community. This has been a game changer for me, just having a space to lean in, especially with coaching and therapy. It's so important to have one hour it doesn't matter if it's a week, every other week, a month, just to focus on your mental and emotional well-being. I much rather spend my money on my well-being than anything else because those anything else things, the material things, aren't going to help me find that balance, peace, and healing in my body, in my nervous system. Because when you seek out that support, it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. And I have sought out that support to help me become a better mom, to be a better coach, to be a more well-rounded human being. And let me tell you, it has been a game changer. And I will say this experience that I've had the past couple months is a testament of that. All right, my friend, that's what I have for you today. Thank you so much for being here. If you have any questions, please reach out to me. I am here for you. If this message resonated with you, please share it with a friend. Um, I would love to know your thoughts about it. I hope that you have a beautiful rest of your day, a wonderful rest of your week. If you're interested in working together, make sure that you sign up for the interest list uh, for 2024 because my first quarter is starting to fill up. So I want to make sure that I give you, my beautiful listener, an opportunity to work with me. Uh, and I want to make sure you get first dibs. So sign up for the interest list. I'll reach out to you. We'll schedule a time to chat, to talk about how I can support you in this beautiful journey of life. All right. Until next time, remember to love yourself, own your happiness, and let your light shine because you're so worthy of it. Until next time.